what you know you can't explain. But you feel it. You felt it your entire life. That there's something wrong. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. Experience the awakening. Brilliant anonymous researchers. Patriots, join us in the Patriot Army. Trust the plan, pain coming. Boom, boom, boom. Let's go. RedStateTalkRadio.com, Brighton.tv, Rumble.com slash MG Show. The end won't be for everyone. That choice to know will be yours. we go all fight 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 and fight we will we fight every day right here on the mg show wow how are you guys doing today uh it is uh tuesday and i can't find the show on my twitter timeline because apparently the algorithm has changed on twitter we'll talk about that a little bit shady groove get on in here uh, yeah, I think that uh, something big is changing on Twitter. There's a number of issues going on over there this morning. The uh, the algorithm is out to get you. <laughs> yeah, so this is it. This is Elon announced last night that the uh, X algorithm is going to change dramatically this week. Several months ago, he asked me what changes I'd make. I went through every single line of code, and here's the changes I'd like to see that will make 100 uh, Twitter 100x better. However, uh, you know, I'm having an issue. If you go to my, let's see if it if it works. You go to my thing. I should have my show right here, and I don't have it. It's not I don't even have the link to it. Yeah, it's not. And I go to Shady's, and I go to Shady's, and I don't see it in his timeline either. So the Twitter show is lost for me. I can't see it. Somebody has the link for it. I'd like to have it so I can retweet it. Okay, I could send you that link. All right, I, do that because it's, it's weird. It's only showing it's only showing two reposts on the drop, so nobody's seeing it. Yep, nobody is seeing the show, guys, on Twitter. We need your help to get this thing moved around. I don't know what's going on. This is my rumble, Mister. Oh well, okay. Straight to my phone. Let me grab it. And wow, there it is, huh? Yeah, and it looks like I posted it, but I don't see it. <laughs> you did. I know. And so let's see uh, if it's on here now. Let me just double check. Refresh. I just retweeted it. Let's see if it is here. No. Look at that, guys. Nope. Wow. wow. Replies. Let's see if it's in my replies. There's my pin tweet. Nope. No to be found. Is, <laughs> is being adjusted to make it harder to find your content. 
Wow. Imagine, Imagine that. that. That's weird, J.D. Grove. And you had a few tweets that um, I had one that deleted immediately. Uh, you had several that did the same thing. So we are uh, fighting with Twitter every day. Uh, T. Lawler, wife and I have a little extra money on hand, and we've been waiting to do this. Thank you guys so much for everything you do. God bless the MG show. Much love, Patriots. Here's to Trump 2024. Wow. $120 Rumble so rant, J.D. Grove. Wow, Amazing. brother. Uh, guys. Wow. Wow. Uh, Signal says it must be Russia, Russia, Russia. You got to say it three times and I'll give you three stars as if you can figure out why. Uh, so <laughs> in general. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so this is weird. Uh, we're going to just keep going. But we are on Brighteon.tv. Brighteon.tv. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's been a while. This is our second show since we've been around. Um uh, uh, since you've been gone, since you've been gone, I guess it's a song. I can't. I, I have Tourette's with songs, Shady Grove. You know that. So apparently, apparently they went out to, to to film a, a movie, a documentary. We can't wait to see that. Brighton.tv. If you uh, want to uh, subscribe over there as well, get over there, watch the show, and all your other favorite content creators. And then also, uh, we're on Rumble.com. Rumble.com/slash/mgshow. Get over there, and that's where we uh, read your comments and talk to you and interact with our audience. Uh, like C. Page. Wow, awesome, T. Lawler, she says. Uh, C. Page 86 out there is awesome. She does a lot of great stuff. Rush is out there. Aloha, Rush. How are you? MAGA CAG says, where we go, one we go all. MAGA, nothing can stop what is coming. The MG Show is excellence in broadcasting. Thank you so much. Grateful to be here. So grateful to be here, says Independent Sentinel. Mr. Anderson lives. Hello, Mr. Anderson. Hello Mr. from uh, the People's Republic. People's Republic of PA. What was Sidney Powell's news? Well, go to at in the matrix of three X's dot in the, on Twitter and you'll find out. And I'll show you right now since you asked because you asked nicely. Let's go ahead and look. Uh, uh, Donald Trump was able to post his $400 million bond to appeal. Ha <laughs> ha. Screw these people. Uh, Supreme Court leaves Supreme Court leaves sanctions in play over the 2020 election suit in Michigan, guys. Hmm. Very interesting. So that is uh, what we got on Sidney Powell. But we've got a lot more coming up. We're going to talk about the national security state censorship and election infection. In interference. Infection. The election infection is the national security state, Shady Groove. I appreciate that it's not the uh, other word that you misspoke there. Election? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even say that. Wait, I know. wait, wait. wait, wait. Okay, there we go. <laughs> and with that, we will be right back with the MG Show. Don't go away. Thank you, Yeti. Take it away. Hello, this is Jeff Peterson from the MG Show. Uh, Shady and I are so thankful to our viewers and listeners on the podcast and rumble.com slash MG Show live 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. East and brighton.tv. If you guys want to help support this show, please help us with the sponsors, MyPillow, Sovereign Advisors, etc. We want to make sure that you understand the best way for you to help our show because we are not funded by Pfizer. We're funded by you. And this is citizen journalism, independent citizen journalism. This is the best way to support us. This is our mg.show slash donate site. Uh, this $17 a month one is really awesome. I don't know why I like that number. Then there's also, that's recurring. Then there's also one-time donation, and there are other ways to donate as well. Uh, use buy, buy us a coffee and give, send, go. But please, we really need your help to fight this battle every day and bring you content on our website. We've got a new blog too. So get over there, check out the content that we're delivering to you every day. Thank you guys. God bless. Many conventional health products claim to be good for you. 
but they may be contaminated with heavy metals, artificial chemicals, and toxins that could harm your health. Here at BrighteonStore.com, we believe your health and safety are our top priority. That's why we always go above and beyond to bring you the cleanest and highest quality nutritional supplements, superfoods, storable foods, preparedness items, and more. Support your health and this free speech platform by shopping at BrighteonStore.com today. Use promo code MGSHOW at checkout for additional savings. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm here to tell you about my new product from MyPillow, towels that actually work. Watch this absorbency test. Here's another towel that we randomly went out and bought. Here's one of my towels with a nice design. I don't know if you can see this, but you could line a swimming pool with this. I mean, this is crazy. Get rid of it. Towels that actually work. What a concept. I'm interrupting this commercial to let you know you can get our six-piece My Towels, regular $69.98, now only $29.98. Or you can save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Also, we have bath sheets, bath towels, washcloths, hand towels, and so much more. And the best part, with your promo code, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all my towels. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. And welcome back to the MG show. <laughs> you guys thought you were frozen. <laughs> <laughs> See, my producer messes with me. I got to mess back a little bit. And that's one way I can get them when you thought I was frozen. Uh, welcome back to the MG show. Uh, help us make America great again, guys, by, you know, uh, the Red Castles. Thank you so much for the Red Castles. The donations. T. Lawler, thank you for the $120 Rumble rant. And you can go to MyPillow.com and get some cool stuff and support us as well. Uh, MyPillow.com. Use that code MG show. 800 873 That's 800-873-0478. So, Shady, let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. Mike Benz had, a, had an interview on Tucker and it kind of nope. exclamation point on the stuff we've been talking about, does it not? It absolutely 100% does put the explanation point on it. And it's just very interesting to watch everybody kind of ignore the nuts and bolts of exactly what came out in that interview, just like they did with the nuts and the bolts and what came out in the Putin interview. No one really wants to get away from being afraid of a cold war. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I remember that when I was a kid. Nuts and bolts. Nuts and bolts. We got... <laughs> you guys all know it, I'm sure. All right, so we're going to go right into it. This is Tucker Carlson and Mike Benz. Uh, this is about... Guys, this is about the national security complex, guys, and how they censor you and interfere in elections and take over movements. Huh. Right, Shady? Yeah, it really is interesting. And what you'll notice is that you... Uh, uh, the uh, the target is always the populist movement. That's what you will notice. Yeah. That all of these coups that we have talked about here, we've talked about Albania to you, you name it. We've talked about all these coups that have been engineered over the last three, four decades of your you know lifetime. Why are they doing that? Who are they targeting? Is it interesting that there's a populist? Is it interesting that there's a populist movement here in America? Is it interesting that? All of the left media is screaming and whining and crying and yelling about this Nalvani guy over there in Russia and Vladimir Putin killed him and he's going after all of his supporters, but nobody's talking about the connection of what Joe Biden is doing to Donald Trump and going after Donald Trump supporters. They don't seem to be making these connections. So I think this is a very good piece to show today to uh, kind of put an exclamation point on it. It's a new morning in America. 
The old cynicism is back. We have faith in our optimistic. It really boils down to our ability to accept. Oh my God! I'm sorry. That was the wrong video. <laughs> that was good though. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's that's what they want you to do, guys. That's exactly. That was brought to you by the controllers, guys. All right, here we go. So this is Tucker on X. Check it out. The extent this country is actually exceptional, it's because we have the First Amendment to the Bill of Rights. We have freedom of conscience. We can say what we really think. There's no hate speech exception to that. Just because you hate what somebody else thinks, you cannot force that person to be quiet because we're citizens, not slaves. But that right, that foundational right that makes this country what it is, that right from which all other rights flow, is going away at high speed in the face of censorship. Now, modern censorship bears no resemblance to previous censorship regimes in previous countries in previous eras. Our censorship is affected on the basis of fights against disinformation and malinformation. And the key thing to know about these is they're everywhere. And of course, they have no reference at all to whether what you're saying is true or not. In other words, you can say something that is factually accurate and consistent with your own conscience. And in previous versions of America, you had an absolute right to say those things. But because someone doesn't like them or because they're inconvenient to whatever plan the people in power have, they can be denounced as disinformation and you could be stripped of your right to express them either in person or online. In fact, expressing these things can become a criminal act and is. And it's important to know, by the way, that this is not just the private sector doing this. These efforts are being directed by the US government, which you pay for and at least theoretically own. It's your government, but they're stripping your rights at very high speed. Most people understand this intuitively, but they don't know how it happens. How does censorship happen? What are the mechanics of it? Mike Benz is, we can say with some confidence, the expert in the world on how this happens. Mike Benz had the cyber portfolio at the State Department. He's now executive director of Foundation for Freedom Online. And we're going to have a conversation with him about a very specific kind of censorship. By the way, we can't recommend strongly enough. If you want to know how this happens, Mike Benz, B-E-N-Z, is the man to read. But today we just want to talk about a specific kind of censorship. And that censorship that emanates from the fabled military-industrial complex from our defense industry and the foreign policy establishment in Washington. That's significant now because we're on the cusp of a global war, and so you can expect censorship to increase dramatically. And so with that, here is Mike Benz, Executive Director of Foundation for Freedom Online. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. And I, and I just can't overstate to our audience how exhaustive and comprehensive your knowledge is on this topic. It's almost, it's almost unbelievable. Um, and so if you could just walk us through how the foreign policy establishment and defense contractors and, and DOD and, and just the whole cluster, the constellation of defense-related, publicly-funded institutions strip from us our freedom of speech. Sure. You know, one of the easiest ways to actually start the story is really with the story of internet freedom and its switch from internet freedom to internet censorship because... Free speech on the internet was an instrument of statecraft almost from the outset of the privatization of the internet in 1991. Uh, we quickly discovered through the uh, efforts of the Defense Department, the State Department, and our intelligence services that people were using the internet to congregate on blogs and forums. And 
free speech was championed more than anybody by the Pentagon, the State Department, and our sort of CIA cutout NGO blob architecture as a way to support dissident groups around the world in order to help them overthrow authoritarian governments as they were sort of billed. Essentially, the internet, internet free speech allowed kind of insta regime change operations uh, to be able to facilitate the foreign policy establishment's State Department agenda. Google is a great example of this. Google began as a DARPA grant uh, by Larry Page and Sergey Brin when they were Stanford PhDs. And they, they got their funding as part of a joint CIA NSA program to chart how, quote, birds of a feather flock together online through search engine aggregation. And then one year later, they launched Google and then became a military contractor quickly thereafter. They got Google Maps by purchasing a CIA satellite software, essentially. Uh, and the ability to track to use free speech on the internet as a way to circumvent state control over media over in places like Central Asia or, or all around the world was seen as a way to be able to do what used to be done out of CIA station houses or out of embassies or consulates in a way that, that was totally turbocharged. And all of the internet free speech technology was initially created by our national security state. VPNs, virtual private networks to hide your, your IP address, Tor, the dark web to be able to buy and trail, uh, sell goods anonymously, end-to-end -end encrypted chats. All of these things were created initially as DARPA projects or as joint CIA NSA projects to be able to help intelligence-backed groups to overthrow governments that were causing a problem uh, to the Clinton administration or the Bush administration or the Obama administration. And this plan worked magically from about 1991 until about 2014, uh, when there began to be an about face on internet freedom and its utility. Now, the high watermark of the sort of internet free speech moment was the Arab Spring in 2011, 2012, when you had this one by one, all of the adversary governments of the Obama administration, Egypt, Tunisia, all began to be toppled in Facebook revolutions and Twitter revolutions. And you had the State Department working very closely with the social media companies to be able to keep social media online during those periods. There was a famous phone call from Google's Jared Cohen to Twitter to uh, not do their scheduled maintenance so that, uh, dis so that the preferred opposition group in Iran would be able to use Twitter uh, to, uh, to, to win that election. So it was an free speech was an instrument of statecraft from the national security state to begin with. All of that architecture, all the NGOs, the relationships between the tech companies and the national security state had been long established for freedom. In 2014, after the coup in Ukraine, there was an unexpected counter coup where Crimea and the Donbass broke away. And they broke away with essentially a military backstop that NATO was highly unprepared for at the time. They had one last Hail Mary chance, which was the Crimea annexation vote on uh, in, in 2014, uh, and when the hearts and minds of the people of Crimea voted uh, to join the Russian Federation, that was the last straw for the concept of free speech on the internet in the eyes of NATO. As they saw it, the fundamental nature of war changed at that moment. And NATO at that point declared something that they first called the Gerasimov Doctrine, which is named after this Russian military uh, general uh, who they claimed made a speech that the fundamental nature of war has changed 
You don't need to win military skirmishes to take over Central and Eastern Europe. All you need to do is control the media and the social media ecosystem, because that's what controls elections. And if you simply get the right administration into power, they control the military. So it's infinitely cheaper than conducting a military war to simply conduct an organized political uh, influence operation over social media and legacy media. An industry had been created that spanned the Pentagon, the, the British Ministry of Defense, and Brussels into a organized political warfare outfit, essentially infrastructure that was created, initially stationed in Germany and in Central and Eastern Europe to create psychological buffer zones, basically to create the ability to, to have the military work with the social media companies to censor Russian propaganda or to censor domestic right-wing populist groups in Europe who were rising in political power at the time because of the migrant crisis. So you had the systematic targeting by our State Department, by our IC, by the Pentagon, of groups like Germany's AFD, the alternative for Deutschland there, and for groups in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. Now, when Brexit happened in 2016, it was, it, that was, that was this crisis moment where suddenly they didn't have to worry just about Central and Eastern Europe anymore. It was coming westward, this idea of Russian control over hearts and minds. And so at, that was, Brexit was June 2016, the very next month at the war, at the Warsaw Conference. NATO formally amended its charter to to ex expressly commit to hybrid warfare as their as this new NATO capacity. So they went from you know basically seventy years of of tanks to this explicit capacity building for for censoring tweets if they were deemed to be Russian proxies. And again, it's not just Russian propaganda. This was these were now Brexit groups or groups like Matteo Salvini in in Italy. Uh, or in Greece, or in Germany, or in, in Spain with the Vox Party. And now at the time, NATO was publishing white papers saying that the biggest threat NATO faces is not actually a military invasion from Russia. It's losing domestic elections across Europe in, to all these right-wing populist groups who, because they were mostly working-class movements, were campaigning on cheap Russian energy at a time when the U.S. was pressuring this energy diversification policy. And so they made the argument after Brexit, now the entire rules-based international order would collapse unless the military took control over media because Brexit would give rise to Frexit in France with Marine Le Pen, Brexit in Spain with the Vox Party, to Italexit in, in, in Italy, to Grexit in Germany, to Brexit in Greece. The EU would come apart, so NATO would be killed without a single bullet being uh, being fired. And then not only that, now that NATO is gone, now there's no enforcement arm for the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, or the World Bank. So now the financial stakeholders who depend on the battering ram of the national security state would basically be helpless against governments around the world. So from their perspective, if the military did not begin to censor the internet, every all of the democratic institutions and infrastructure that gave rise to the modern world after World War II would collapse. So you wait, can imagine wait, the wait, reaction five months later, right, Donald right Trump there. won the 2016 election. So you, you, well, you just told a remarkable story that I've never heard anybody explain as lucidly and crisply as you just did. But did anyone at NATO or anyone at the State Department pause for a moment and say, wait a second, we've just identified our new enemy as democracy within our own countries. I think that's what you're saying. They, they feared that the people, the citizens of their own countries would get their way, and they went to war against that. Yes. Now, you know, there's a rich history of this dating back to the Cold War. You know, the Cold War in Europe was essentially 
a, a similar a similar struggle for hearts and minds of people, especially in Central and Eastern Europe. Yes, uh, you know, in these sort of you know Soviet buffer zones, and you know, st- starting in 1948, the national security state was really established. Then you know you had the 1947 Act, which established the Central Intelligence Agency. You had, uh, you know, this, this new world order that had been created with all these international institutions. And you had the 1948 UN Declaration on Human Rights, which forbid the territorial acquisition by military force. So you can no longer run a traditional military occupation government in the way that, that we could in 1898, for example, when we took the Philippines. Everything had to be done through a sort of political legitimization process whereby there's some ratification from the hearts and minds of people within the, the country. Now, often that involves simply puppet, puppet politicians who are groomed as emerging leaders by our State Department. But the battle for hearts and minds had been something that we had been giving ourselves a long moral license leash, if you will. Uh, since 1948, one of the godfathers of the CIA, George Kennan, at, uh, 12 days after we rigged the Italian election in 1948, by stuffing ballot boxes and working with the mob, we pub- published a memo called The Inauguration of Organized Political Warfare, where he said, listen, uh, it's a mean old world out there. We at the CIA just rigged the Italian election. We had to do it because if, if the communists won, maybe there'd never be another election in Italy again. So, uh, but it's really effective, guys. Uh, we need a department of dirty tricks to be able to do this around the world. And it's essentially a new social contract we're, we're constructing with the American people because this is not the way we've conducted diplomacy before. But we are now forbidden from using the War Department. In 1948, they also renamed the War Department to the Defense Department. So again, as part of this, this diplomatic onslaught for political control rather than it looking like it's overt military control. But essentially what ended up happening there is we created this foreign domestic firewall, we said, that we have a department of dirty tricks to be able to rig elections, to be able to control media, to be able to meddle in the internal affairs of every other plot of dirt in the country. But this this sort of sacred dirt on which the American homeland sits, will uh, they are not allowed to operate there. The State Department, the exactly. Defense Department, and the CIA are all expressly forbidden from operating on U.S. soil. Of course, this is so far from the case, it's not even funny. But uh, but that's because of a number of laundering tricks that they've developed over 70 years of doing this. But essentially, there's there was no moral quandary at first with respect to the creation of the censorship industry when it started out in Germany and in, and in Lithuania and Latvia and Estonia and in Sweden and Finland. Uh, there began to be a more diplomatic debate about it after Brexit. And then uh, it was it became full throttle when Trump was elected. And what little resistance there was, was washed over by the rise and saturation of Russiagate, which basically allowed them to not have to deal with the moral ambiguities of censoring your own people. Because if Trump was a Russian asset, you no longer really had a traditional free speech issue. It was a national security issue. It was only after Russiagate died in uh, in July 2019, when Robert Mueller basically choked on the stand for three hours and revealed he had absolutely nothing after two and a half years of investigation, that the foreign to domestic switcheroo took place where they took all of this censorship architecture spanning DHS, the FBI, the CIA, the DOD, the DOJ, and then the thousands of government-funded NGO and private sector mercenary firms were all 
basically transited from a foreign focus, from a foreign predicate, a Russian disinformation predicate to a democracy predicate by saying that disinformation is not just a threat when it comes from the Russians. It's actually an intrinsic threat to democracy itself. And so by that, they were able to launder the entire democracy promotion regime change toolkit uh, just in time for the 2020 election. It, 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 I mean, it's it's almost beyond belief that this has happened. I mean, my own father worked for the U.S. government in this business in the information war against the Soviet Union, and you know was a big part of that. And the idea that any of those tools would be turned against American citizens by the U.S. government was, I I think, I want to think, was absolutely unthinkable in say 1988. And you're saying that it's there really hasn't been anyone who's raised objections, and it's just it's absolutely turned inward to manipulate and rig our own elections as we would in say Latvia. Yeah, well, as soon as the democracy predicate was established, you had this professional class of professional regime change artists and operatives. That is the same people who argued that you know we need to bring democracy to Yugoslavia to get, and that's the predicate for getting rid of, you know, Milosevic or any any other country around the world where we basically overthrow governments in order to preserve democracy. Well, if if the democracy threat is homegrown now, then that becomes uh, you know then then suddenly these people all have new jobs moving on the on the U.S. side, and I can go through a million examples of that. But one. One thing on, on, on what you just mentioned, which is that, you know, fr from their perspective, they, they just weren't ready for the Internet. 2016 was really the first time that social media had reached such maturity that it began to eclipse legacy media. I mean, this was a long time coming. I think folks saw this building from 2006 through 2016. You know, uh, Internet 1.0 didn't even have social media from 1991. Right to 2004, there was no social media at all. 2004, Facebook came out, 2005, Twitter, 2006, YouTube, 2007, the smartphone. And so, and in that initial period of social media, nobody was getting subscriberships at the level where they actually competed with legacy news media. But over the course of being, you know, so initially even these dissident voices within the US, uh, even though they they may have been loud uh, in moments, they they never. You know, I, I want to make something clear too. You look at the mainstream media, and um, let's look at this guy that's about three stars in general. He is, was part of the intelligence agency, and he's the one that is leading this movement. Do you see what he's saying here? They needed somebody domestically to quote unquote lead the movement, and they used one of their own. In my opinion, Shady Grove, do you do you understand what I'm saying? I absolutely picked up on that whenever I watched the interview, 100%. Mm -hmm. You know, see, you have all the mainstream videos. What happened to General Flynn? Oh, General Chaos. Oh, look at him. He's now the great reawakening using God's army, and they're calling him and us terrorists. You see what's happening now? You guys understand it, right? Not only was he bad for Trump, was he bad for us, Shady, as well? Great question. And also, like, take a look at what we're seeing here. You know, what, what, what was Q doing? What was Q outing? Q was outing the military-industrial complex and the national security state that has been established around you that has been put there to uh, puppet the current occupant of the White House. That didn't work mm -hmm. under Donald Trump. They couldn't puppet him because he was an outsider. This is the reason that all of this melee exists around Donald Trump from the media. Because like he said... They're fake news, and he told us that right off the bat, guys. And this right here is, is giving you the nice 
smooth uh, explanation of the architecture that's doing it to you. Boom. Here we go. We'll return to the interview. Reached 30 million followers. They never reached, you know, um, a, a billion impressions a year type thing as a uncensored, mature ecosystem allowed citizen journalists and independent voices to be able to outcompete legacy news media. This induced a massive crisis, both in our military and in our State Department and intelligence services. I'll give you a great example of this. In 2019, at a meeting of the German Marshall Fund, which is you know, an institution that goes back to the U.S., uh, basically, um, I don't want to say bribe, but the, essentially the soft power, economic soft power projection in Europe as part of the reconstruction of European governments after World War II, to be able to essentially pay them uh, with Marshall Fund dollars, and then in return, they basically were under our thumb in terms of how they reconstructed. Uh, but the, the German Marshall Fund held a meeting in 2019. They held a million of these, frankly. But where they, where a four-star general uh, got up on the panel and, and said that, uh, that the, what happens, he posed the question, what happens to the, to the U.S. military? What happens to the national security state when the New York Times is reduced to a medium-sized Facebook page? And he posed this thought experiment as an example of, of we've had these gatekeepers, we've had these bumper cars on democracy in the form of a, of a century-old relationship with legacy media institutions. I mean, our, our mainstream media is not in any shape or form, even from its outset, independent from the national security state, from the State Department, from the War Department. Uh, you know, you had the, the initial... Uh, all of the initial uh, broadcast news companies, NBC, ABC, and, and CBS, were all created by Office of War Information veterans from the from the War Department's effort in World War II. You had the you had these Operation Mockingbird relationships from the 1950s to the 1970s. Those continued it through the the use of the National Endowment for Democracy and the privatization of intelligence capacities in the 1980s under Reagan. Uh, there's all sorts of CIA re reading room memos you can read even on CIA.gov about those continued media relations throughout the 1990s. And so you always had this backdoor relationship between the Washington Post, the New York Times, and all of the major broadcast media corporations. There a the way, Rupert Murdoch and, and Fox are. So, yeah, I wanted to just jump in here real quick over top of that point and uh, reiterate exactly what this gentleman is saying right here. And when you ever, whenever you go back and you look at the beginnings of all of these different media companies, uh, NBC being the first one uh, built out of the uh, radio environment in the early 1930s or the late 1930s, early 1940s, they started this. Um, they weren't generating enough. They weren't generating enough support for the war effort in World War II, and they understood from the operation in World War One that the American people really just weren't into war, right? So this is the way that they escalated this. They escalated this to bring this to you in a very interesting pattern, in my opinion. It's just interesting to see how that all of these networks came online right at this specific point. And then you uh, push the, the, the meter down to the mid-late 90s, and right before they wanted to insert this whole war on terror thing, well, you started getting the internet. And the control of the internet was uh, uh, increasing every, um, um, exponentially almost every year from 1996, 1997, 1998, leading into 9-11, and then the whole uh, whitewash of everything truthful that happened on 9-11. You can see right here why we needed Q 
as a back channel to go around all of these talking heads because all of the talking heads are in 100% agreement 100% of the time. Amen to that. And uh, it looks like we got a guy called Fighting Irish in here. It looks like he's in the wrong chat. <laughs> LOL. Uh, if you guys think that General Flynn pulled a number on uh, us patriots that support Trump, press 17. And then we're going to go back to the interview. Part of this as well. You know, Rupert Murdoch was actually part of the National Endowment for Democracy Coalition in 1983 when it was formed as a way to, to do CIA operations in an above board way after the Democrats were so ticked off at the CIA for manipulating student movements in the 1970s. But essentially, there was no CIA intermediary to random citizen journalist accounts. There was no Pentagon backstop. You couldn't get a story killed. You couldn't have this favors for favors relationship. You couldn't promise access to some random person with 700,000 followers who's got an opinion on Syrian gas. And so this induced, and this was not a problem for the initial period of social media from 2006 to 2014, because there were never dissident groups that were big enough to be able to have um, a mature enough ecosystem on their own. And all of the victories on social media had gone uh, in the way of the, where the money was, which was from the State Department and the Defense Department and the intelligence services. But then as that maturity happened, you now had this, this situation after the 2016 election where they said, okay, now the entire international order might come undone. S 70 years of unified foreign policy from Truman until Trump are now about to be broken. And we need a, the same analog control systems we had to be able to put bumper cars on bad stories or bad political movements through legacy media relationships and contacts. We now need to establish and consolidate within the social media companies. And the initial predicate for that was Russiagate. But then after Russiagate died, and they used a simple democracy promotion predicate, then it gave rise to this multi-billion dollar censorship industry that joins together the military industrial complex, the government, the private sector, the civil society organizations, and then this vast cobweb of media allies and, and professional fact checker groups that, that serve as this sort of sentinel class that surveys every word on the internet. So can you give us, a, and thank you again for this, almost unbelievable explanation of why this is happening. Can you give us an example of how it happens? How, just and just pick one among, I know, countless examples of how the national security state lies to the population, censors the truth um, in real life. Yeah, so, you know, we have this State Department outfit called the Global Engagement Center, which was created by a guy named Rick Stengel, who described himself as Obama's propagandist in chief. He was the undersecretary for public affairs, which is essentially the which is the liaison office role between the State Department and the mainstream media. So this is basically the exact nexus where government talking points about war or about diplomacy or statecraft get synchronized with mainstream media. So and he was may, in charge may, of that. may I add something and, to that? As someone I I know Rick Stengel, he was at one point a journalist, um, and Rick Stengel has made public arguments against the First Amendment and against free speech. And oh yeah, he wrote a whole book on job. it. And yes. he published an op-ed in 2019. He wrote a whole book on it. And he, you know, he made the argument that, that we just you know, went, went over here, that essentially uh, the, for the, the Constitution was not prepared for the internet and uh, we need to get rid of the First Amendment uh, accordingly. And you know, he described himself as a free speech absolutist when he was the managing editor of Time Magazine. 
And even when he was in the State Department under Obama, uh, he, he started something called the Global Engagement Center, which was the first government censorship uh, operation within the federal government, but it was foreign facing, so it was okay. Now, at the time, they used the, uh, the homegrown ISIS predicate threat for this. And so it was very hard to argue against the idea of the State Department uh, having this formal coordination partnership with every major tech platform uh, in the U.S. because the, you know, at the time there were these ISIS attacks that were, and we were told that ISIS was recruiting on Twitter and Facebook. And so the Global Engagement Center was, a, was established essentially to be a State Department um, entanglement with the social media companies to basically put bumper cars on their ability to, uh, to platform accounts and to, and, and one of the things they did is they created a new technology which is, is, it's called natural language processing. It is a artificial intelligence, machine learning uh, ability to create meaning out of words in order to map everything that everyone says on the internet and create this vast topo topography of how communities are organized online, who the major influences are, what they're talking about, what narratives are emerging or trending, and to be able to create this sort of network graph uh, in order to know who to target and and uh, and how information moves through an ecosystem. And All right. So they began. All right. So right there, Shady Groove. Very interesting. That is huge. Why is that huge, Shady Groove? Because my account was actually targeted and mapped, Shady Groove. It, it is. And 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 as we as we dig into this, you're going to see that this is the way that this defeat disinfo thing that we've been exposing actually works. They are in real time seeing what is being posted so that they can send their horde toward that and have and create what is considered a better counter narrative to overwhelm that particular account or person. And remember that defeat disinfo hired three point nine million uh influencers so this is what he's talking about shady groove this is uh this is me right here okay look at this is the network that they were mapping out you see all that and this There's is General early Flynn 2018 right yeah this was 2018 this is aaron gallagher from the medium and they were mapping out networks to make sure they could not help them guys to, to stop them to, to, to insert you. a counter narrative. Yes, to, to like literally target exactly what you're saying, come up with something that's counter to what you're saying, and then promote that since you're a single person with their whole network. 3.4 million. Thank you, Effectual. Yeah, three. they hired 3.4 million. Uh, when Trump tweeted, they had 3.4 million influencers paid to uh, disagree with President Trump. And that was scandal with Defeat Disinfo, who is actually... General Flynn's mentor. But look at this, guys. I mean, look at that. This is what they do. I mean, this is what he's talking about exactly right here. And look yep. at the biggest one on the list. I want to debate in the Matrix. Remember uh, MAGA Coalition wanted to Remember that? McBoobs. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So there you go. I just wanted to stop it right there. And then uh, we're going to go ahead and, uh, oh, my gosh, where did I go? Did I just, I just moved it somewhere else, didn't I? Oh, uh -oh. no, I goofed up. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh. So I'm going to have to figure out where it is, <laughs> uh, where we left off. But, but interesting stuff, guys. I mean, you're seeing it right there, folks.
And then that's one of the reasons that I think that this is so imp imperative that we played this today was simply because of how um, how well not not only how well this is articulated, but how we already understand this. This this plays right to the audience of this show and really kind of goes over the head of the audience of almost every other show out there. They don't understand the significance of it because they don't understand a lot of the. Uh, of the different uh, aspects of what's happening and what's been happening to you and how the censorship uh, machine has been really ramped up. And it got ramped up uh, as, whenever Trump got elected, but it got extremely ramped up whenever this crazy person or this crazy entity started posting his cue. That's right. And uh, Zenfa says, uh, MG show, was that the program that showed us the echo chamber? No, that's the one that they wanted to make into an echo chamber. You see, right. they wanted to censor mm -hmm. Uh, my in the matrix account is m the most censored. I, I mean, I've never seen it. Uh, 39 plus articles on media matters, uh, Hillary Clinton's list that Q posted. Uh, that's, that's coming up as a, uh, that's coming up as a Delta here pretty soon on the 22nd. Yep. Uh, and so then we've got that we've got, um, who's that guy? Um, I always forget his name, Shady Groove. Um, the guy that's uh, on this Intel committee and Angus King, he put my list, my name on a list and DHS and CISA censored four of my tweets. So this account right here and the whole digital army is attacking this show. Imagine and that's that. All we know. And, and on the same page as all those leftists and they're mm -hmm. attacking my show just like those leftists. They don't want you to realize that, folks. That is exactly what they are doing. And they're trying to connect us to those people because they're desperate to have some sort of a connection because we are independent and that is a threat. And Mr. Benz right here is explaining to you exactly why the MG show is a threat to the national security state. That's right. And by the way, on General Flynn's uh, page, run the race to at to run the race on Twitter, uh, said that he's a social media influencer. So we've got the Intel community leading all of us. Uh, I'm not. I'm not following. <laughs> I'm blocked. <laughs> I, do. Right, I think. I think this is about where we left off. Let's see. Uh, you had at the Stanford Internet Observatory. It was actually run by Michael McFall. If you know I Michael McFall, back, he back was in Russia under the uh, and essentially the DNC, if you will, uh, to as conducting a cyber attack on U.S. critical infrastructure because you is were this doing it? like right about here. Yeah, I would think that we are about 28 to 30 minutes in. All right. So it might be a little far still. Of course, it's going to go, go all messed because up you because, you know. Because you had to adjust yeah. it. Yeah, because, and you know. Twitter. Twitter. The algorithm. You know. The algorithm. <laughs> Jeez. All we'll right. Get let it. me just. We will get it here for you. All right. United States is sort of quants, if you will. These are the programmers, the computational data scientists. And the, the safe haven around that was if they deployed artificial intelligence-based censorship technologies, which had been, again, created. This is about it, right? Because this is the yeah. artificial intelligence censorship technologies by Defeat Disinfo and Stanley McChrystal. I think we're close, yeah. Right? Okay, yep. here we go. ...by DARPA to take on ISIS. And DARPA. To be able to... And by the way, that Defeat Disinfo was DARPA technology that Stanley McChrystal... And you know who his mentor, who was, oh my God, guys. I just can't believe the revelations that we're having on this uh, interview. It's, it's good. Here we go. Scan and ban speech automatically. And this was, a, this gave, you know, I call these weapons of mass deletion. These are essentially the ability to censor tens of millions of posts. 
with just a few lines of code. And the, the way this is done is by aggregating, basically, the, the field of censorship science fuses together two disparate groups of study, if you will. There's the sort of political and social scientists who are the sort of thought leaders of what should be censored. And then there are the sort of quants, if you will. These are the programmers, the computational data scientists, computational linguistics. Every university, there's over 60 universities now who get federal government grants to do this censorship, uh, the censorship work and the censorship preparation work, where what they do is they create these code books of the language that people use, the same way they did for ISIS. They did this, for example, with COVID. They created these, these COVID lexicons of what dissident groups were saying about mandates, about masks, about vaccines, about high-profile individuals like Tony Fauci or, um, or uh, Peter Daszak or any of these others pr protected VIP and individuals whose reputations had to be protected online. And they created these code books. They broke things down into, into narratives. The Atlanta Council, for example, was a part of this, this government-funded consortium, something called the Virality Project, which, which mapped 66 different narratives that dissidents were talking about around COVID, everything from COVID origins to vaccine efficacy. And then they broke the, down these 66 claims into all the different factual subclaims. And then they plugged these into these essentially machine learning models to be able to have a constant world heat map of what everybody was saying about COVID. And whenever something started to trend that was bad for what the Pentagon wanted or was bad for what Tony Fauci wanted, they were able to take down tens of millions of posts. They did this in the 2020 election with mail-in ballots. It was the wait, same. Wait, 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 may I ask you, wait, you I, I'm sorry, I just got to have, uh, there's, there's so much here and it's so shocking. So you're saying the Pentagon, our Pentagon, the U.S. Department of Defense censored Americans during the 2020 election cycle? Yes, they did this. <laughs> they they yes, did this Dr. through the, so there's the two most censored events in human history, I would argue to date, are the 2020 election and the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'll, I'll explain, you know, how I arrived there. So the, the, the 2020 election was determined by mail-in ballots. And I, I'm not weighing into the substance of whether mail-in ballots were or were not a legitimate or safe and reliable form of, of, of voting. That's a completely independent topic from my perspective than the censorship issue one. But the censorship of, of mail-in ballots is, is, is really one of the most extraordinary stories in our American history, I would argue. What happened was, is you had this plot within the Department of Homeland Security. Now, this gets back to what we were talking about with the State Department's Global Engagement Center. You had this group within the Atlanta Council and the foreign policy establishment, which began arguing in 2017 for the need for a permanent domestic censorship government office to serve as a quarterback for what they called a whole of society counter misinformation counter disinformation alliance. That just means censorship, the counter misdisinfo. But the whole of their whole society model explicitly proposed that that we need every single asset within society to be mobilized in a whole of society effort to stop misinformation online. It was that much of an existential threat to democracy. And so it, it but they this they fixated in 2017 that it had to be centered within the government because only the government would have the clout and the coercive threat powers and the and the perceived authority to be able to tell the social media companies what to do, to be able to summon an NG, a government-funded NGO swarm to create that media surround sound, to be able to arm in a in, you know an astroturfed army of, of fact checkers, and to be able to liaise and connect all these different 
censorship industry actors into a cohesive unified whole. And the Atlantic Council initially proposed with this blueprint called forward defense, not offense, it's forward defense, guys. They initially proposed that running this out of the State Department's Global Engagement Center because they had so many assets there who were so effective at censorship under Rick Stengel's steed uh, and under the Obama administration. But they said, oh, we, we're not going to be able to get away with that because we don't really have a national security predicate and it's supposed to be foreign facing. We can't really use that hook unless we have a sort of national security one. Then they contemplated parking at the CIA. And they said, well, actually, there's two reasons we can't do that. The CIA is foreign facing. We can't really establish a counterintelligence threat to bring it home domestically. Also, we're going to need essentially tens of thousands of people involved in this operation, spanning this whole society model. You can't really run a clandestine operation that way. So they said, OK, well, what about the FBI? They said, well, the FBI would be great. It's domestic. But the problem is, is the FBI is supposed to be the intelligence arm of the Justice Department. Huh. And we and what we're dealing with here are not acts of lawbreaking. It's basically support for Trump. Or if, you know, if a if left wing populist had risen to power like Bernie Sanders or Jeremy Corbyn, I have no doubt they would have done in, in the UK. They would have done the same thing to him there. All right. So let's listen to that. Let's uh, pause that for a minute. We're going to be taking a five minute break, guys. This is interesting. Uh, and we showed you the map of what they've used against us. You know, he says that it's uh, the 2020 election and COVID. I say it's Q, the 2020 election and COVID. Shady Groove. Yep, I agree with that 100%. All right. And wait. Oh, no, wrong one. We're back. Wait, no, wait. We're not back oh, yet. We're going to go no. out for hour number no. one. Uh, we'll be right back. Hour number two coming up. We're going to finish this interview. It is good, guys. It kind of puts an exclamation point. Shady, Stay take it away. Stay tuned for hour number two of the Matrix Groove Show live on Red State Talk Radio. Coming right up after these words in the Matrix with 3 Hello, Patriots. Shannon Townsend here with the MG Show. We are live Monday through Friday from 12 to 2 Eastern Time on rumble.com slash MG Show, brighton.tv, x.com, and Red State Talk Radio. Listen, guys, Jeff and I would like to thank each and every one of you so greatly for the support that you have given us over the last five years. This has been a pretty incredible journey, and I think that each and every one of you that have been with us understand what I mean by that. We represent citizen independent journalism in America, and we depend on you for that support. We'd like to thank everybody out there for all of you done supporting my pillow, also Sovereign Advisors, and a number of the other different advertisers and sponsors we've had on this show. You can also go here if you would like to support us and what we do at the MG Show, mg.show slash donate. And here you can do a recurring donation if you would like that does donation each month in any amount that you would choose. We like to really, really like that $17 a month one. That's really a fascinating number. And then also you can do a one-time donation as well with some of the other options there. We've been doing this for five years now, everybody, and I think we're going to be doing it for a little bit longer. We are in it to save America, and we're not going to be able to do it without your support. So please, if you would like to contribute and help the show, we would greatly appreciate it. And I will see you on the air Monday through Friday, live, 12 to 2 Eastern Standard Time. 
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm here to tell you about my new product from my pillow. Towels that actually work. Watch this absorbency test. Here's another towel that we randomly went out and bought. Here's one of my towels with a nice design. I don't know if you can see this, but you could line a swimming pool with this. I mean, this is crazy. Get rid of it. Towels that actually work. What a concept. I'm interrupting this commercial to let you know you can get our six-piece My Towels, regular $69.98, now only $29.98. Or you can save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Also, we have bath sheets, bath towels, washcloths, hand towels, and so much more. And the best part, with your promo code, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all my towels. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. Government-induced inflation, taxes, rising interest rates, and political instability, they all have a crushing effect on our investments, often causing the stock market to go down. They can also cause gold and silver to go up. There's a time to be in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, and there's a time to get out. This is the time to hold gold and silver. Kirk Elliott, double PhD, has been protecting individual Americans' assets for more than two decades. Hi, I'm Kirk Elliott. There's no such thing as a bad investment. There's only bad timing for investments. And now is the time to own gold and silver. Now is the time to own physical metals in an IRA, a 401k, and of course, outside of a retirement plan. Don't let the government destroy your hard-earned assets. Please call 720-605-3900. 720-605-3900 for gold, silver, and undeniable economic protection against out-of-control government. Support the guys and mention MG's show when you call. Many conventional health products claim to be good for you, but they may be contaminated with heavy metals, artificial chemicals, and toxins that could harm your health. Here at BrighteonStore.com, we believe your health and safety are our top priority. That's why we always go above and beyond to bring you the cleanest and highest quality nutritional supplements, superfoods, storable foods, preparedness items, and more. Don't have to worry. 
Hold on. I'm coming. Wow. I love that guy, Shady Groove. <laughs> Here we go. What do you think, Shady? Everybody out there is just as excited as I am. Not that long ago, it was four years we had to wait until Donald Trump was reelected. And now we have like just over eight months to go to what? To the point where you really start to see a change in your reality. And you really start to see a change in the way America functions and is run. Because with the people, with the populist movement, and a president at the same time on the same page, we can move mountains. And I really do feel like that's exactly what we're headed towards with DJT in 2024. Amen. And, uh, you know, we need to keep fighting uh, the psyops uh, galore out there. It's like every time I wake up, there's a new psyop that I have to bust. Every time I wake up again, I go to sleep, you know, a new psyop. Boom, 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 boom. But hey, We've got them. And uh, this show right here, I'm so proud of each and every one of you. Thank you for all of your support. That $120 Rumble Rant uh, and the other ones that we got today, thank you very much. We are funded only by you. So if you can, thank you. Uh, prayers are also accepted as well. Those are invaluable. Uh, so guys, let's go back to this interview, Shady Groove. Uh, we're having, again, this is point, putting an exclamation point on everything that we've been talking about for the last few months, Shady Groove. It absolutely is, and it it really seeks up with every single thing that has been playing out in your life and on the grand national stage for your whole adult lives and why you're so frustrated. And like it says at the beginning of the opening of this show, you know, you could feel there was something wrong. You just didn't know what it was. Now you're starting to see exactly what it was. Like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. Here we go. Left-wing <laughs> populist. <laughs> NATO skeptical groups in Europe, but in the U.S. it was it was all Trump. And so essentially what they said is, well, the only other domestic intelligence equity we have in the U.S. besides the FBI is the DHS. So we are going to essentially take the CIA's power to rig and bribe foreign media organizations, which is a power they've had since the day they were born in 1947. And we're going to combine that with the power, with the domestic jurisdiction of the FBI by by putting it at DHS. So DHS was basically deputized, it was empowered through this obscure little cybersecurity uh, agency to have the combined powers that the CIA has abroad with the jurisdiction of the FBI at home. And the way they did this, how did a cyber, an obscure little cybersecurity uh, agency get this power was they, they did a, a funny little series of switcheroos. So this little thing called CISA, they didn't call it the Disinformation Governance Board, they didn't call it the Censorship Agency, they gave it an obscure little name that no one would notice called the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. So its founder said, we just, security, we care about security so much it's in our name twice. You know, everybody sort of closed their eyes and, and pretended, you know, that's what it was. But it was created by Act of Congress in 2018 because of the perceived threat that Russia had hacked the 2016 election, had physically hacked it. And so we had need, we needed the cybersecurity power uh, to be able to to be able to deal with that. And essentially on the heels of a CIA memo on January 6, 2017, and a same day DHS executive order on January 6, 2017, arguing that Russia had interfered in the 2016 election and a DHS mandate saying that elections are now critical infrastructure. You had this new power within DHS to say that cybersecurity attacks on elections are now our purview. And then they did two cute things. One, they, they said, they said mis, dis, and malinformation online are a 
form of cybersecurity attack. They are a cyber attack because they are happening online. And they said, well, actually, Russian disinformation is we're, we're actually protecting democracy and elections. We don't need a Russian predicate after Russiagate died. So just like that, you had this cybersecurity agency be able to legally make the argument that your tweets about mail-in ballots, if you undermine public faith and confidence in them as a legitimate form of voting, was now you were now conducting a cyber attack on U.S. critical infrastructure by by articulating misinformation on Twitter, and just like that. Now, what they did then is they Wait, then so in other words, a bunch of com see it. complaining about election fraud is the same as taking down our power grid. Yes, you could literally be on your toilet seat at nine thirty on night and tweet i think that mail-in ballots are illegitimate and you were essentially then caught up in the crosshairs of the department of homeland security classifying you as conducting a cyber attack on u.s critical infrastructure because you were doing misinformation online in the cyber realm and misinformation is a cyber attack on democracy when it undermines That's public awesome. faith and confidence in our democracy so let's pause it there. And uh, you remember the uh, one of the first interactions with you was with the hashtag was if I'm not I might be mistaken here, but wasn't it hashtag voter fraud or something that they were trying to accuse you of and your account of earlier? One of the first instances of censorship going way back. Am I remembering that right? Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Let me just make this smaller and we'll go into uh, let me go into QAG uh, real quick because it'll be tomorrow's. No, it'll be the 22nd. So let's just put in in the matrix. Okay. Hang on one second. All right, so let's just yeah, go okay. here. So I, basically, I just thought that was relevant. Yep, it was this. Uh, this was the uh, IR um, that voter fraud index. You got to hit. Uh, maybe they didn't. You got to go find it on the uh, in the Wayback Machine. Hang on one second. Way back. So, uh, but basically, yes. At the bottom of it, they said that it is uh, people that used. Um, I tell you, my uh, hi guys. My thing is all messed up. Anyways, uh, Shady Groove, uh, yes, they use that. I'm just going to leave it there, and we'll just go back to the interview because my whole... That, but yeah. Yep, yep, yep. But that's what they did. It was voter fraud, I believe. Is that what he said, voter fraud, Shady? Yeah, I think that, that... I don't know if he said hashtag voter fraud, but I remember that it was hashtag voter fraud was one of the first instances we saw of them coming out and acting like, you know, that they were uh, uh, yep. actively censoring and you were doing something wrong by hashtagging that. And I didn't... Hash, I only hashtagged it once, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was time. weird. I think it was I, one I was, time, yeah. I, I, I think I was put on it because of a another reason, okay? Um, but... And maybe to run the race as well. All right, here we go. Check it out. Democratic elections in our democratic institutions. They, they would end up going far beyond that. They would actually define democratic institutions uh, as being another thing that was a cyber security attack to, uh, to undermine. And lo and behold, the mainstream media is considered a democratic institution. That would come later. What ended up happening was in the advance of the 2020 election, starting in April of 2020, although this goes back before, you had this essentially never Trump neocon Republican DHS working with essentially NATO on the national security side and the, and essentially the DNC, if you will, uh, to, to use DHS as the launching point for a government-coordinated mass censorship campaign spanning every single social media platform on earth in order to pre-censor the ability to dispute the legitimacy of mail-in ballots. And here's how they did this. 
they aggregated four different institutions, uh, Stanford University, the University of Washington, a company called Graphica, and the Atlantic Council. Now, all four of these institutions, the centers within them, were, were, were essentially Pentagon cutouts. You had, uh, you had at the Stanford Internet Observatory, it was actually run by Michael McFall. If you know Michael McFall, Stanford. he was the U.S. Russia under the, uh, under the um, Obama administration, and he personally authored a seven-step playbook for how to successfully orchestrate a color revolution. That is, and, and part of that involved having, maintaining total control over media and social media, juicing up the civil society outfits, uh, ca calling elections illegitimate in order to, now mind you, all of these people were professional Russia gators and professional election delegitimizers in 2016. And then, well, I'll get to that in a sec. So, so Stanford University, of the nominally the Stanford Air Observatory under Michael McFall was run by Alex Stamos, who, who, who was formerly a Facebook executive who coordinated with ODNI and the, uh, with respect to, uh, Russiagate, you know, taking down Russian propaganda at Facebook. So this is a, another in, uh, liaison essentially to the national security state. And under Alex Stamos at Stanford Air uh, Observatory was Renee DeResta, who started her career in the CIA and wrote the Senate Intelligence Committee report on Russian disinformation. And there's a lot more there that I'll leave, I'll get to another time. But uh, the, the next institution was, was the University of Washington, which is essentially the Bill Gates University in Seattle, who is headed by Kate Starbird, who uh, is, is basically three generations of military brass, who got her PhD in crisis informatics, essentially doing uh, you know, social media surveillance for the Pentagon and getting you know, DARPA funding and, uh, and, and working essentially with the national security state, then repurposed to take on mail-in ballots. The third firm, Graphica, got $7 million in Pentagon grants uh, uh, and, and got their start as part of the Pentagon's Minerva Initiative. The Minerva Initiative is the psychological warfare research center of the Pentagon. They, they, this group was, was doing social media spying narrative mapping for the Pentagon until the 2016 election happened. And then were, were repurposed into a partnership with the Department of Homeland Security to censor, you know, 22 million Trump tweets. Uh, pro-Trump tweets about mail-in ballots. And then the fourth institution, as I mentioned, was the Atlanta Council, who's got seven CIA directors on the board. So one after another, it is exactly what Ben Rhodes described it during the Obama era as the blob, the foreign policy establishment. It's either the, it's the, it's the Defense Department, the State Department, or the CIA every single time. And of course, this was because they were, they were threatened by Trump's foreign policy. And so while, while much of the censorship looks like it's coming domestically, it's actually by our foreign-facing Department of Dirty Tricks color revolution blob, who are professional government topplers, who were then basically descended on the 2020 election. Now they did this, they explicitly said, the head of this election integrity partnership, on tape, and, and, and my foundation clipped them, and it's been played before Congress, and it's in you know, a part of the Missouri v. Biden lawsuit now, but they explicitly said on tape that they were set up to do what the government was banned from doing itself. And then they articulated a multi-step framework in order to coerce all the tech companies to take censorship actions. They said on tape the tech companies would not have done but for their pressure, which involved using threats of government force because they were the deputized arm of the government. They had a formal partnership with the DHS. They were able to use DHS's proprietary domestic disinformation switchboard to immediately talk to top brass at all the tech companies for takedowns. 
and they bragged on tape about how they got the tech companies to all systematically adopt a new terms of service speech violation ban called delegitimization, which meant any tweet, any YouTube video, any Facebook post, any TikTok video, any Discord posts, any Twitch video, anything on the internet that, that uh, undermined public faith and confidence in the use of mail-in ballots or early voting drop boxes or, or, or ballot tabulation issues on election day was a prima facie uh, terms of service violation policy under this new delegitimization policy that they only adopted because of pass-through government pressure from the Election Integrity Partnership, which they bragged about on tape, including the grid that they used to do this, and, and simultaneously invoking threats of government breaking them up or, or government stopping doing favors for the tech companies unless they did this, as well as inducing crisis PR by working with their media allies. So, and they said the government, DHS, could not do that themselves, and so they set up this, this basically constellation of State Department, Pentagon, uh, and, and IC networks to run this pre-censorship campaign, which by their own math had 22 million tweets on Twitter alone. And mind you, they did this on 15 platforms. So this is hundreds of millions of posts, which were all scanned and banned or throttled so that they could not be amplified or they exist in a sort of limited state purgatory or had these frictions affixed to them in the form of fact-checking labels where you couldn't actually click through to the thing or you had to, it was, it was an inconvenience to be able to share it. Now they did this seven months before the election. Because at the time, they, they were worried about the perceived legitimacy of a Biden victory in the case of a so-called red mirage blue shift event. They, they knew the only way that Biden would be able to, was, would win mathematically, uh, was through the disproportionate Democrat use of mail-in ballots. They knew there would be a crisis because it was going to look extremely weird if, if Trump looked like he won by seven states. In Nova, you know, uh, and then three days later, it comes out actually the election switch. I mean, that, that would put the election crisis of the Bush-Gore election uh, on a level of steroids that the national security state said, well, the, the, the public will not be prepared for. So what we need to do is we need to, in advance, we need to pre-censor the ability to even question the legitimacy. This took out- Wait, wait, may, may I ask you to pause right there? Key influences, so, so what you're saying is, <laughs> what you're suggesting Quoting is- us. The outcome of the election seven months before it was- What, Shady? When you, I, I can't hear saying, you when you speak over the, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, including all of you and all of us, like what he was getting ready to say there before Tucker interrupted him was that all of you, the, they were preempting it by censoring you before the time came. I don't think, I think Tucker's going to yeah. clarify here. Gotcha. It was held. It looks very bad. Certainly <laughs> what they did <laughs> yes, is. It. Yes, Mike, it does look very bad. <laughs> Uh, you know, and especially when you combine this with the fact that this is right on the heels of the impeachment, the Pentagon led CIA led impeachment. You know, it was, uh, Eric Cimarella from the CIA and it was the Vinmins from the Pentagon, uh, who led the impeachment of Trump in late 2019 over, uh, you know, an alleged phone call around withholding Ukraine aid. This same network, which came straight out of the Pentagon, uh, hybrid warfare network uh military censorship network created after the first you know ukraine crisis in 2014 were the lead architects of the uh, ukraine impeachment in 2019 and then essentially came back on steroids as part of the 2020 election censorship operation but you know from their perspective i mean it certainly looks like the perfect crime these were the people dhs at the time had actually federalized much of of the national election infrastructure uh 
um, uh, administration through this January 6, 2017 uh, uh, executive order from outgoing Obama um, DHS head Jed Johnson, uh, which essentially wrapped all 50 states up into a formal DHS partnership. So DHS was simultaneously in charge of the administration of the election in many respects and the censorship of anyone who challenged the administration <laughs> of the election. Uh, this is like, you know, putting essentially the defendant uh, of a trial uh, as the judge and jury of the trial. It was but, a very but, but you're not describing democracy. I mean, you're describing a country in which democracy is impossible. What I'm essentially describing is military rule. I mean, this is, I mean, what, what's happened with the rise of the censorship industry is a total inversion of military rule. Ah, imagine that, Shady. Imagine that. Military, the only way. Fully controlled. Wow. Fully controlled. The idea of democracy itself. You know, d democracy sort of draws its legitimacy from the idea that it is uh, ruled by consent of the people of the people being ruled. That is, it's not really being ruled by an overlord because the government is actually just our will expressed by our consent with who we vote for. Um, the whole push after the 2016 election and after Brexit and after a couple of other, you know, social media run elections that went the wrong way from what the State Department wanted, like the 2016 Philippines election, uh, was to completely invert everything that we described as being the underpinnings of a democratic society in order to deal with the threat of free speech on the Internet. And what they essentially said is we need to redefine democracy from being about the will of the voters to being about the sanctity of democratic institutions. And who are the, inst the democratic institutions? Oh, it, it's us. You know, it's the military. It's NATO. It's the IMF and the World Bank. It's, 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 uh, it's the mainstream media. Uh, who uh, it is the NGOs. And oh, the, of course, these NGOs are largely State Department funded or IC funded. It's essentially all of the elite establishments uh, that were under threat from domestic, the rise of domestic populism that declared their own consensus to be the new definition of democracy. Because if you define democracy as being the strength of democratic institutions, rather than a focus on the will of the voters, then what you're left with is essentially democracy is just the consensus building architecture within the can, within the democratic institutions themselves and from their perspective that takes a lot of work i mean i mean the amount of work these people do i mean the, for example we mentioned the atlantic council which is one of these big coordinating mechanisms for the oil and gas industry in a region for the for the finance and the jp morgans and, and the black rocks in a region for the ngos in the region for the media in the region all of these need to reach a consensus and that process takes a lot of time it takes a lot of work and a lot of negotiation from their perspective, that's democracy. Democracy is getting the NGOs to agree with BlackRock, to agree, to agree with the with the Wall Street Journal, you know, to to you know, agree with uh, you know the the community and activist groups who are onboarded with respect to a particular initiative. That is the difficult vote building process from their perspective. If, at the end of the day, a bunch of you know populist groups decide that they like a, a truck driver who's popular on TikTok more than the you know carefully constructed consensus of the NATO military brass, well, then th from their perspective, you know, that is now an attack on democracy. And this is what this whole branding effort was. And of course, democracy, again, has that magic regime change predicate where democracy is, is our magic watchword to be able to overthrow governments from the ground up in a sort of color revolution style whole of society effort to topple a, a, gov a democratically elected government from the inside.
For example, as we did in Ukraine, Viktor Yanukovych was democratically elected by the Ukrainian people, like, like him or hate him. I'm not even a, a, a issuing an opinion there. But the fact is, is we color revolution him out of office. We January 6th him out of office, yes. actually, if, to be frank. I mean, with respect to the, you had, you know, a State Department funded right sector thugs and, you know, $5 billion worth of civil society money pumped into this to overthrow a democratically elected government in the name of democracy. And they took that special set of skills home. And now it's here perhaps potentially to stay. And this has fundamentally changed the, the nature of American governance because of the threat of you know, one small voice becoming popular on social media. May, may, may I ask you a question? So into that that group of institutions that you say now define democracy, the NGOs, um, foreign policy, establishment, et cetera, you, you included the mainstream media. Now, in 2021, the NSA broke into my private text apps and read them and then leaked them to the New York Times against me. That just happened again to me last week. Um, and I'm wondering how common that is for the intel agencies to work with so-called mainstream media like the New York Times to hurt their opponents. Well, that is the function of these interstitial government-funded non-governmental organizations and think tanks like, for example, we mentioned the Atlantic Council, which is you know, NATO's think tank, but other groups like the Aspen Institute, which draws the lion's share of its funding from the State Department and other government agencies, you know, the Aspen Institute also, was busted you know, doing Biden laptop censorship. You know, you Shady, I can't hear also, you when you talk over Satan. Also, McCain Institute, he was mentioning the Aspen Institute. I'm not sure if he mentions it, but the McCain Institute is one of the uh, higher up ones as well there. Correct. Yes. And we've we've even covered the Aspen Institute as well. Uh, yes, sir. That's where they do the censorship. Yep. All that. Wow. This is a great interview. Keep going. You had this strange situation where the FBI had advanced knowledge of the pending publication of the Hunter Biden laptop story. And then magically, the Aspen Institute, which is run by essentially former CIA, former NSA, former FBI, and then a bunch of sort of civil society organizations, uh, all hold a mass uh, stakeholder simulation, censorship simulation, a three-day uh, conference, you know, this came out and Yul Roth was there. This is a big part of the Twitter file leaks and it's been mentioned in multiple congressional investigations, but somehow the Aspen Institute, uh, which is basically an addendum of the national security state, uh, got the exact same information that the national security state spied on journalists and political figures to obtain and not only leaked it, but then basically did a joint coordinated censorship simulator in, in September, two months before the election, in order, just like with the censorship of mail-in ballots, to be in ready position to pre-censor anyone online amplifying wait, wait a, a news story that had not even broken yet. The Aspen Institute, which is, by the way, I yes. spent my life in Washington. It's kind of a, I mean, Walter Isaacson, formerly of Time Magazine, ran it, former president of CNN. Um, I had no idea. Yeah, and uh, Flynn spoke at the uh, Aspen Institute as well, guys, which is very, very sure interesting. Um, yes, he yeah. did. Okay, so yeah, let's keep going. Wow, here we go. It's part of the national security state. I had no idea its funding came from the U.S. government. You're, this is the first time I've ever heard that. But given, assuming what you're saying is true, it's a little weird that Walter Isaacson left Aspen Institute to write 
a biography of Elon Musk. Strange or not? Yeah, I'm, you, you know, I don't know. I, I've, I haven't read that book. I, I, from what I've heard from people, it's a relatively fair treatment. I, you know, just total speculation, but I suspect that Walter Isaacson has struggled with this issue and may not even firmly fall in one particular place uh, in the sense that, you know, Walter Isaacson did a series of interviews of Rick Stengel, uh, actually with the Atlantic Council and, and in other settings, uh, where he interviewed Rick Stengel specifically on the issue of, uh, of you know, the, the need to get rid of the First Amendment and the threat that free speech on social media poses to democracy. Now, at the time, I was very concerned. This was between 2017 and 2019 when he did these Rick Stengel interviews. I was very concerned because Isaacson expressed what seemed to me to be a highly sympathetic uh, view about the Rick Stengel, you know, perspective on killing the First Amendment. Now, he didn't formally endorse that position, but it left me very skittish about Isaacson. But what I should say is, at the time, I don't think very many people, in fact, I know virtually nobody in the country um, uh, had any idea how deep the rabbit hole went when it came to the construction of, of the censorship industry and the, 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 how deep the tentacles had grown within the military and the national security state in order to buoy and consolidate it. Much of that, frankly, did not even... Tentacles, a.k.a. octopus, now known as Kraken, come to public light until uh, until even last year, you know, frankly, some of that was galvanized by Elon Musk's acquisition and the Twitter files and the Republican turnover in the House that allowed these multiple investigations, uh, the lawsuits like Missouri v. Biden and the discovery process there, uh, and, and you know, multiple other things like the Disinformation Governance Board, who, by the way, the interim head of that, you know, the, the head of that, Nina Jankovitz, got her start uh, in the censorship industry from this exact same um, clandestine intelligence community censorship network created after the 2014 Crimea situation. Nina Jankovic, when, when her name came up in 2022 as part of the Disinformation, Disinformation Governance Board, I almost fell out of my chair because I had been tracking Nina's network for almost five years at that point when her, when her name came up as part of the UK inner cluster cell of a busted clandestine operation to censor the internet called the Integrity Initiative which was created by the UK Foreign Office and uh, was backed by NATO's political affairs uh, unit in order to, to carry out this thing that we talked about at the beginning of this, of this dialogue, the NATO's uh, sort of psychological inoculation uh, and uh, the, the ability to kill so-called Russian propaganda or rising political groups who wanted uh, to maintain energy relations with Russia at a time when the US was trying to kill the Nord Stream and other in other uh, pipeline relations. Well, they did uh, that. Marine Le Pen and Fr they, they right. Well, Nina Jankovic was a part of this this outfit. And then who was, the, who was the head of it after Nina Jankovic went down? It was Michael Chertoff. And Michael Chertoff was running the, the Aspen Institute cyber group. And then this, and the Aspen Institute then goes on to be the censorship simulator for the Hunter Biden laptop story. And then two years later, Chertoff is then the head of the disinformation governance board after Nina is forced to step down. Yeah, a close friends. Of, of course, Michael Chertoff was the chairman at Bay. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry. Of course. Now, Michael Chertoff was, a, was the chairman of the, yeah, the, the, the largest military contractor in Europe, uh, BAE uh, military. So, so it's all connected. you've blown my mind so many times in this conversation that I'm going to need a nap directly after it's done. So I've just got two more, two more questions for you. One short, one a little longer. 
Short one is for people who've made it this far an hour in and want to know more about this topic. And by the way, I hope you will come back whenever you have the time um, to explore different threads of the story. But for people who want to do research on their own, how can your research on this um, be found on the internet? Sure. So our foundation is foundationforfreedomonline.com. Uh, we, we publish all manner of, of reports on every aspect of the censorship industry from, the, from what we talked about with the role of the military industrial complex and the national security state to what the universities are doing to, you know, I sometimes refer to it as digital MK ultra. There's just the field of basically the science of censorship and how, and, and the funding of these psychological manipulation methods in order to nudge people into different belief systems as they did with COVID, as they did with energy and, and, Every sensitive policy issue is what they essentially had an ambition for. But so the, my foundation for, for freedomonline.com website is one way. The other way is just on X. Uh, my handle is at Mike Ben Cyber. I'm very active there and, uh, publish a lot of long form video and written content all, on all of this. I think it's one of the most important issues in the world today. So it certainly is. And so that leads directly and seamlessly to my final question, um, which is about X. And I'm not just saying this because I post content there, but I think objectively it's the last big platform that's free or sort of free or more free. You post there too. Um, but, you know, we're at the very beginning of an election year with a couple of different wars unfolding simultaneously uh, in, in 2024. So do you expect that that pl platform can stay free for the duration of this year? It's under an extraordinary, an extraordinary amount of pressure, and that pressure is going to continue to mount as the election approaches. Um, Elon Musk is a very unique individual, and he has a unique buffer, perhaps, when it comes to the national security state, because the national security state is actually quite reliant on um, on Elon Musk properties, whether that's for the uh, the electrical, you know, the sort of the, the green revolution when it comes to Tesla. And, uh, and and the battery technology there. When it comes when it comes to SpaceX, uh, the State Department is hugely dependent on on SpaceX uh, because of its unbelievable uh, sort of pioneering and saturating presence in the field of low Earth orbit satellites that uh, are basically how our telecom you know, system runs. To things like Starlink, there there are dependencies that the national security state has on Elon Musk. I'm not sure he'd have as much room to negotiate if he had become the world's richest man selling, you know, at a lemonade stand. Uh, so there's, there's, and if the, the national security state goes too hard on him by invoking something like CFIUS to sort of nationalize some of these properties, I think the shockwave that it would send the international investor community would be irrecoverable at a time when we're engaged in great power competition. Uh, so they're trying to kill, you know, they're trying to sort of induce a, I think, a sort of corporate regime change through uh, a series of things involving a sort of death by a thousand paper cuts. I think there are seven or eight different um, Justice Department or SEC or FTC investigations into Elon Musk properties that all started um, after his acquisition of, of X. But then what they're trying to do right now is what I call the transatlantic flank attack 2.0. You know, we talked in this, in this dialogue about how the censorship industry really got its start when a bunch of State Department exiles uh, who were expecting promotions took their special set of skills in coercing European countries to pass uh, sanctions on themselves to cut off their own leg to spite themselves uh, in order to pass sanctions on Russia, they ran back that same playbook uh, with doing a roadshow for censorship instead for sanctions. We're now witnessing, you know, 
transatlantic flank attack 2.0, if you will, which is because they have lost a lot of their federal government uh, powers to do this same censorship operation they had been doing from 2018 to 2022, in part because the House has, has totally turned on them, in part because of the media, in part because Missouri v. Biden, which won a, uh, a slam dunk case actually banning government censorship at the trial court and appellate court levels, is now between the, uh, before the Supreme Court. They've now moved into two strategies. One of them is, is state-level uh, censorship laws. California just passed a new law, which the censorship industry totally drove from start to finish around require, they call it transform, plat, you know, platform accountability and transparency, which is basically forcing, you know, Elon Musk to give over the kind of narrative mapping data that these CIA conduits and Pentagon cutouts were using to create these weapons of mass deletion, these abilities to just censor everything at scale because they had all the internal platform data. Elon Musk took that away. They're using state laws like this new California law to crack that open. But the, the major threat right now is the threat from Europe uh, with, with you know, something called the, uh, the EU Digital Services Act, which was cooked up in tandem with folks like, like NewsGuard, which is run by, you know, which has, has a board of Michael Hayden, head of the CIA, NSA, four-star general. Rick Stengel is on that board. Uh, you know, from, from the State Department's propaganda office. Tom Ridge is on that board from the, from the Department of Homeland Security. Oh, and Anders Fogh Rasmussen is on that board. Uh, he was the, uh, the General Secretary of NATO under the Obama administration. So you have NATO, the CIA, the NSA, four-star general, DHS, and the State Department working with the EU to craft the censorship laws that now are the largest existential threat to X other than potentially X, uh, advertiser boycotts because there is now disinformation is now banned as a matter of law in, in, in the EU. And the EU is a bigger market for X than the US. There's only 300 million some people in the US. There's 450 million in Europe. X is now forced to comply with this brand new law that just got ratified this year, uh, where they either need to forfeit 6% of their global annual revenue to the EU to maintain operations there, or put in place essentially the kind of, you know, CIA bumper cars, if you will, that I, I've been describing over the course of this in order to have a internal mechanism to censor anything that the EU, which is just a proxy for NATO, uh, deems to be disinformation. And you can bet with 65 elections around the, around the globe this year, um, you can, you can predict every single time what they're going to define disinformation as. So that's the main, the main fight right now is, is dealing with the transatlantic flank attack from Europe. I, I said this five times, but that's just one of the most remarkable stories I've ever heard. And I'm grateful to you for bringing it to us. Mike Benz, Executive wow. Director of the Foundation mm. for Freedom Online. And I hope we see you again. Thank you, Tucker. Thanks, Tucker. All right. You got it. All right. So that was an amazing interview. Did you notice that he said the NSA is involved and all that other stuff? Uh, a four-star general. And uh, they're all working together, guys. I mean, now that we see what we see today, Shady Group, they're all working together. Yeah, and the connections to the UK and how paramount the UK connection is, and then all the stuff you're seeing in the movement that has been perpetrated on you by uh, people that are, you know, of this industry that they're exactly talking about. Look at all the stuff that happened with Cambridge Analytica going into the 2016 election and the shenanigans that were, were happening there. And then uh, all of a sudden Trump wins out of nowhere. And then what do they do? You know, they were trying to tank him the whole time. That's exactly what these people have been working on. That's exactly what these people in the background are working on. And that's what the psyopers are currently working on. If you want me to believe that the current uh, people that we're discussing, the three stars, give me three stars if you can figure out people, are more aligned with you, the American people, than with this network, then I, I tell you, I got a bridge and uh, an oceanfront property 
in Arizona that I'll <laughs> sell you because that's a stretch. Yeah, and you know, it's very interesting because, you know, we were heroized a person in general. I'll give you three stars if you can figure it out. And an admiral. And it was funny when uh, what's her nut says, and they even attacked Admiral Rogers, Jan Helper. We never attacked uh, Admiral Rogers. However, when I go and look at what he's doing today, I think we need to attack Admiral Rogers. <laughs> I think that he's got a lot of damn questions that need to be answered. The more that I look into it, absolutely. And and that what you just mentioned is the is the most relevant point because she threw that in there like she knows that we should be. Yeah. So look at this. This is. Uh, in 2020, this is Admiral Rogers, guys. Michael Rogers, right? We did all these memes. We loved him. In October 2022, Rogers joined the Council for Responsible Social Media Project launched by Issue One. It's an American nonpartisan nonprofit NGO blob that you, we just heard about in the interview to address negative mental, civic, and public impacts on social media in the United States, co-chaired by Dick Gephardt. Oh, dear Lord. Oh my God, not Gephardt. Holy crap. Shady. That sounds exactly like what they're talking about that we just listened to Mr. Ben say. It's official. I'm now attacking Admiral Rogers. <laughs> you have been chosen to God. be exposed. Oh, you're next to be exposed on the PISOP. Oh, yeah, the PISOP is yeah, coming for yeah. you. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting, folks. You know, uh, Shady, you have a couple of posts that you want to look at right now as well? Yep, I do. I'd like to just read through these couple posts and uh, get, you know, maybe even your your insight on them too because this is interesting. As, as we were uh, listening to that, I was kind of looking, and let's just read this because, my goodness, you're looking at it from your new perspective. Why did Kim travel to China? Oh, let me give you the post number. This is uh, number 964. Why did Kim travel to China? Why was the travel impossible in the past? What changed? What constitutes the need for a F2F meeting, foreign-to-foreign -foreign or face-to-face -face meeting versus a secured call? What U.S. publicly traded company previously entered North Korea to establish comms? That would be Google. Think logically. Why did Google visit North Korea? Why would the former chairman and CEO himself of Google and uh, Alphabet personally attend? Who is Sergey Brin? Where was Sergey born? Track the family. Important. Think Cold War. Think KGB. U.S., China, Russia. North Korea. Three. Yeah. U.S., China, North Korea 3. Facebook data dump. Now, think about this a little bit in relation to what we were just watching. Who made it public? Who sold shares 30 days from the announcement? You can't imagine the magnitude of this constitutional crisis. Twitter coming soon. Google coming soon, Amazon coming soon, Microsoft coming soon, plus 12. That is relevant because all of those companies were companies that were generated and created like ABC, CBS, and NBC. These were sponsored by the national security state. Current censorship all relates to a push for power in the midterms. Last stand. Election fraud cases open to DOJ many. Follow the family. Follow the resignations in the business government. There's a tight association there. It's uh, highlighting. Biden, China, very important marker. Who made it public? Who really made it public? Who is making it all public? We are the gatekeepers of all, and by all, we mean all information. Who's we in that? Look at that right there. Now, now it looks like you're talking from who? From the other perspective. You won to Canada, to EU, to Russia, to Iran, to North Korea, to Syria, to Pakistan, to Iran next, 700 billion military this year. 
Why is the military so important? Reread all. National security. National security. These people are stupid. Art of the deal. Tidal wave incoming. And then I want to move into this next post that goes into oh, a little yeah, bit more cute. about the censorship. Yep. <laughs> is uh, Fox News Inspector General investigating well, alleged FISA. Real quick, Shady, real quick, real quick. Go back one more. Go back to that yep. one more time. Yes, Go yes, back sir. a little bit. I just wanted to stop right there. Um, the military. Why is the military so important? National security. National security against you because we are populist. We wanted Trump. We wanted our constitution. Correct. They needed them to come against us. You guys are seeing it, right? I, I'm sorry. I just wanted it's, to really, really point that out. No, I, I'm glad that you did because that's that's what that's what jumped out of the page with me whenever I just read it a minute ago while we were playing. I'm like, wow, okay. So yes, perfectly said. Thank you. And then in post 972, this Fox News article about the inspector general investigating alleged FISA. Now, what do we understand about the investigation of alleged FISA and who it's related to? Think outside the box. Timing of release. Post Facebook News, Facebook Worldwide, Google Worldwide, Amazon Worldwide, Twitter Worldwide, all companies created by the National Security State. Tracking active, listening active. In other words, they're tracking your post. They're listening to what you are saying in real time. Data shared. What's the data. Data used. The date? So the date on that post is uh, um, 32818. This is post number 972. Thank you. And so. Uh, tracking active, listening active. So th this is giving you the schematic of what they're doing to you in real time. As this post was being posted, they're explaining the operation that's going on by the military industrial complex. Tracking active, listening active, data shared, data used. Used for what? Kickbacks. Big time. Weren't we just, what are you talking about? How they're paying for all this? Private versus public or private and public. Bypass regulation laws? Question mark. The intelligence agencies across the globe in partnership to spy on citizens? Constitutional crisis. That is interesting that that constitutional crisis appears in both of these posts. Magnitude. A constitutional crisis would be the reality that a civilian person is not in control of the military. That's a constitutional crisis. Magnitude. Who can you trust? Who organized it? How do social media and search engines platforms weight elections? Regulation or kill, stop, peace through strength at Snowden. Shine the light bright, DOA. Why is Hussein traveling the world conducting high-level meetings? Use logic. And then it goes into Nancy Salzman historical timeline. Mainstream media will not highlight bottom to top unravel. And I just really thought that those two were extremely relevant. Right. So There's actually more reason, than relevant. The reason, the reason why I asked you for that date, say that date one more time. Okay, it is 3-28-2018. All right, so this is May 20th, 2018. Is this a future proves past mapping you, right? They were, that, yeah, well, see, I think this this post right here, 972 in real time is what led us to all of this. This was right at the time when you and I were meeting each other. Yep. Wow. So she it was this post that kind of got us through that. Visualization, May 20th, 2018, and that was uh, March 20th. 20th, right, Shady? Is that what you said, March? Yes, sir. 328. Okay. But look at that. Look at that. Tracking. And and who did it, Shady Groove? The military industrial In, complex. Yeah. And and who's our leader? Those you thought you were supposed to trust the most, right? Leader? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Huh. 
we're, we're, in, we're in a way worse situation than we thought we were because the military has tricked the whole truth movement into believing that the military is a benevolent creature. They are not. They are not here for you. They are here against you, and they have been against you. And I think and I find it very interesting how much pushback we're getting from quote-unquote truthers and alt-media who are shoving the narrative right down your throat from the military. Everything that they're saying, hook, line, and seeker, as they pretend like they're outing something. You know, Jeff, the, 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 what, what, what do we talk about? The Aspen Institute, the Stanford Observatory. Um, we were talking about the McCain Institute. This show, the MG show, out of every program out there, out of everything that you will see out there, there is no other broadcast that is aligned with the, uh, the uh, um, releases of WikiLeaks or Julian Assange and what he was talking about, what it was that he, what was it that he released in those cables back in 2010, 2011 that triggered the military industrial complex and uh, uh, McChrystal and all these other people to go after him. He was releasing the videos of these people and what they were doing in foreign countries, i.e. Uh, uh, using a journalist with a device to lure people into an area where the, he was having a conversation with them. And then the military comes in with a drone and just obliterates everybody on the scene. There were many of these videos that Julian Assange pu published publicly that were considered sources and methods by your military industrial state. And they're still to this day protecting those sources and methods. And they do not want you to talk about them. And this guy that we are focusing on our buddy over here, Mr. Three Star in general, is right in the middle of every single bit of it. He is not, he is not uh, immune outside somewhere, disconnected. Not at all. The center cog is this guy. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then we had fighting Irish in here today trying to defend him, huh, Joe? I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't have to, you know, we have to ask questions. We get no answers because you know you're wrong. And, you know, we are able to talk about somebody that is a, that is a public figure without, without, you know, being impaired, Shady. You know, yes, exactly. And, and everybody out there, including these people, are ignoring the, the significance of the Tucker Carlson interview with Vladimir Putin and this interview with Mr. Benz. They're completely ignoring it and continuing on with this nonsense, dude. We have got to kill this Cold War crap that continues to infect each and every one of our daily lives. If we get rid of, if we can somehow stop being afraid of Russia, the military industrial complex would collapse tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Wow, guys. It's fear. What a show. Have you oh, that that was such a great that was such a that was such a great interview. I, I might have to watch it again. I think it connects to more of the Q post that we're gonna have to dig up because there's yeah, I heard it too. When there's more of the Q post that that's gonna connect to, I just I'd grab those two really quick. But you know, all this stuff about Elon Musk. And what's going on with Twitter at the top of the show? We're talking about their change in the algorithm. Well, that's just that's just probably a coincidence that it's an election season and Twitter is changing the algorithm. And we've got this guy out there saying that Twitter is being forced to comply for a larger audience in the EU. Okay. Yeah. That is real. Wow. And all the people that they put in these organizations, you know, like Facebook and whatever, you know, they had all the remember all the Lord James Baker from the FBI was actually working at Twitter. And Elon fired him whenever he got there. But that doesn't mean that the stuff that he was doing is going away. It just means that the person that we were focused on has went away to make you think something that has, has been done. But this other lady comes in and says, oh, yeah, freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. That is censorship. If the post that you're making is not 
hate-filled or hatred or pornographic or whatever, then you should have the exact same reach. Any person with five people following them should have the exact same ability to have a tweet go viral if it's good as somebody with a large account. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, censorship. Is, and we were right about, look, the mainstream media is now coming out and reporting that you can get myocarditis and brain injuries from the vaccine. That's what Literally. we were censored about. Yes. <laughs> Imagine you can't make that. it up. They blinded you with PSYOPs, Shady Groove, a great they show. Did. Holy moly. Oh, man. And we will catch you tomorrow. Thank you, Shady Groove. Wednesday. Thank you, Tucker. And Mike Ben, Mike ben Cyber, B-E-N-Z. Shady Group. We need to get that guy on. Wow. Let's go, guys. It's tyranny in motion. Fourth generational warfare. That's terrifying you and me. Manipulating someone online. Manufacturing emotion. I like that. Propaganda is persuading me. They guided me with psyops. Psychological operations. They guided me with psyops. They weaponized psychology. Hey, hey. 201 mass shootings, and it's only May. The truth. This will be weaponized. <laughs> when I'm watching news of war. Disinformation. False flag operations. I must obey the TV screen. Psyops. They guided me with psyops. The skull, that's a real thing. They gaslight me with psyops. I'm following the programming. Hey, 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 hey. Just look at my Twitter feed. Hollywood style. They control what's happening. Psychological operations group. Science. The problematic notion. Psychological operations. In reaction to the thing. Now here comes a solution. Your brain is a commodity. The psyops soldier. They're guiding me with psyops. She's playing within the rules. They're guiding me with psyops. That seems dishonest. And hit me with technocracy. Psyops troops have been placed in CNN's newsroom. I'm not sure who opposes that effort. I think you're describing a different channel than the one that I watch. Good heavens, misinformation. You're beautiful. Don't believe it. Here they go again. They scrubbed the web, and now I can't find anything. My attitude, my desires, more pamphlet notes. They've radicalized my 
emotions. But it's weaponized emotion. Disinformation boards. You're calling it conspiracy. Eat your neighbors. Asleep in the commotion. Your silence is alarming me. Boom.